What's happening? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Hello, everybody. It's Dyson Jacks. I'm Tim Great pep is on the board. SP Futures up 8 and the Futures up 35. Uh, do we have uh, Mr. O'Neill, Kevin? You have me. And I'm going to say... Uh, you, you had me at good morning. Uh, okay, I'm going to say that the uh, unequivocally there is no joy in Woodville in Chicago this morning. With the, the mighty Dick Butkus is no more. Uh, well, there's off. there's a little joy on the Bears, but yeah, I think there's. I, I don't know if it's uh, um, uh, if it's sadness or if it's uh, um, just nostalgia, uh, because Butkus lived, um, you know, with uh, despite a lot of injuries in his life, lived a rather full life and. Uh, and uh, and got to go out easily, uh, peacefully. So you know we'll have that. But boy, one of the best football players I've ever seen. Um, we're gonna have uh, uh, our, our man Lou call in at seven thirty and talk about him a little bit, do a little bit of history because his dad coached against him. And I oh, had- I am sure he has stories because that's been the best part of the last. You know uh, what? Twelve, fifteen hours, whatever it's been, yep. is the uh, stories that people tell about playing against him. And I have a little bit of a, a background. I, well, first off, I, well, I read his book. I read both of them. Um, and his dad worked for Pullman, where I worked, uh, not at the same time. I don't think. Uh, he asked. He actually, his dad would go. I'll save this for later. But his dad would go uh, from working at Pullman right to a building that he manage like a 12 flat or something I think uh, my buddy Bill Murphy's sister or uncle or somebody lived in the building and knew uh, Mr. Butkus real well and I uh, couldn't speak English very well and that was a problem at Pullman and he had 12 kids and anyway it's a long, long story but the uh, lady the, the uh, St. John Fisher where we grew up was kind of a little Irish Catholic ghetto for lack of a better term and a lot of them were from the east side that had changed they were from Roseland and stuff and uh, the people on our block, uh, the two sisters married these two guys. They live right next door to each other. And uh, Rita Holland's uncle, I think her maiden name was O'Brien, was the coach at CBS when he was there. So we would hear Butkus stories when, we, when he was in high school and uh, from her and her husband, uh, uh, Bob Holland, who was a real football fan. His kids played for 
our grammar school team, and they played for Brother Rice and stuff. So they I mean, everybody everybody knew about Dick Butkus. It was uh, he he was that good at any age. Um, he was uh, I I think maybe Greg could check this out. He he's in the high school put, football hall of fame here in Chicago. I believe he's a center and a linebacker. And just because they didn't want to make it crazy, they could have put him in as a fullback. He was that good at everything. <laughs> he was a punter. He could place kick. I mean, it was pretty scary when you think about it. Uh, and, you know, what did he have? Uh, like 22 interceptions, I think, was the number yeah. I saw in his career. Which, you know, in those days, uh, you know, let alone today, that would, you know, that, that would be a big number for a middle linebacker today, uh, let alone... Um, you know, let alone in, in in the context of the time, and uh, you know, nowadays we talk about you know three down linebackers and how few of those there are, um, but that's you know that's exactly what he is. In fact, he was a four down linebacker because he played special teams too. Yes, and when you look at the the, the family life, I thought was, I mean, this is stuff that happened. Our neighborhood was a little bit, uh, I won't say higher up. I just did, but I shouldn't say. It wasn't like, I mean, most of the people that uh, in, in my neighborhood I grew up, you know, the dad had a, a job. Um, you know, not ho- most everybody wasn't factory workers. There were some people, um, but not huge executives either. A couple of people were. But uh, over on the east side, where his dad, uh, the family had 12 kids, and he was the youngest, and they had basically a three-bedroom slab house, no basement, you know, there's a whole bunch of them along California, one of my best buddies grew up in one, and there are three bedrooms, kitchen, like a, like a little eating area in the back, and a, and a living room, that's it, no dining room, and, and they, but you know, when they say 12 kids, I don't think all 12 were ever there at the same time, I mean, when he, he was the youngest, and his older sisters had already moved out, so maybe, maybe there was an eight lot of kids in the place at any given time, which is still a lot, in a three bedroom little house. And his brothers were all bigger and meaner than him. And like I said the dad worked at Pullman, and then he would go work at um, his building every night. And the mother would cook dinner essentially for the wolves. And, and and you know she would cook. You know we were talking about you know eight boys that were all his size or bigger. Yeah, they could eat. Yeah, worked in the mills, and she'd you know she'd wing you know twenty baked potatoes and and you know forty pork chops in the, in the middle of the table. And, and the thing was, the, the parents, and she would put stuff aside for the old man. When he came home, she would eat with him. So the, the, in the entire grow-up years, there was no such thing as a dinner conversation. How did you do? How was your day? How was school? I mean, nothing like that. Nothing, nothing like anything any of us... I mean, even in, our, in my day, we ate dinner every night as a family. I mean, I, and today I don't know if people do it or not, but I, but I mean, it was, there was never any conversation with the kid ever from anybody, really. And his and every night he would he would just wolf down dinner and he'd head to the park. And there was a swing set and he just by himself had his football and he kicked the football through over the swing set like he was practicing field goals. And that's what he did. It was his, it, football was his total out. And when he come home from school, uh, somebody had an old car. I don't think it ran anymore. And it, there was a hill on the street and he would push the car up the hill and let it come down basically by itself and push it back up. That was his workout. There didn't any weights or anything like that. And that's why the guy got strong as an axe, his legs and stuff. But he would push his car up the street by himself and have it come back down and push it back up. He didn't talk to anybody. His his first date, this girl, but I remember this in the book, because I knew guys like this. I mean, uh, his first date, he says to his buddy, you know, I, I wouldn't mind going out with her or something like that. And she says, okay, they go out. <laughs> I don't know where they went. 
And uh, the uh, buddy says to him, uh, he says, I'd like to go out with her again. And the guy says to the girl, will you go? She goes, I'll go, but he's at least got to say something this time. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean he, there was literally no, he had a, a, a couple of people, the coach, he and some buddies, I think they went out and stole some hubcaps or something one night. And the coach got him out of it, and he said, look, you've got to get your act together. You have a, a big future yourself in athletics, but you can't be doing crap like this. And it's for the only time I'm ever helping you out. And, and then when he got to Illinois, he said he didn't know anything. He didn't learn much at CVS. And there was a lady a professor who took him under his wing, her wing and, and basically tutored him in English and stuff so he could read and do papers and stuff. So without her, he never would have got out of Illinois, even with them pushing him through. So you had people along the way helping with the, with the whole background. I mean, can you imagine, like, never talking to anybody in your family, really? And all your brothers did if you talked to anybody would, you know, beat I up. I don't know. You stuff. know my brothers. Uh, maybe maybe I can't imagine it. Well, yeah, I guess, but I have, a, I have a feeling your mom and dad made everybody talk a little bit. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I, a little bit. A little uh, bit. But I'm saying that whole, there was a whole generation or two that grew up kind of like, we think the world is like it is now. It has been the whole way. It, it is not. There's people that didn't even, you know, their parents were uh, one of my clients who will go nameless. He, they went to this is how, how some of these guys were in those days. They went to church, and one of his buddies had died the year before, and uh, he sees them at church with an, with another. Uh, is he, so he sees the wife at church with another guy like a year and a half later, not like the next week or anything. He goes home and says, no, no other dudes ever getting my money and split the money up, gave the wife like nothing and split the other rest up with the boys. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there were, this was, was, a, was a different world in how people thought and how people acted. I mean, most of them were pretty honorable and very moral, and they didn't have the crime you do now, but it wasn't like there wasn't some strange rangers and a lot of different points of view of the world, and everybody drank like fish. It was, it was an odd, pl- odd time, Kevin. I mean, I don't know, you don't remember... You don't, I don't think you remember as much of that because you weren't because I really ran a lot, a lot of that when I was working for the public schools. Yeah, because you're so much older than I am. Well, I mean, when I was working <laughs> the public schools, those guys were older. I mean, I was working there; I was 19, and these these guys, I'm dropping them off at bars on the way home. You know, I mean, it was it was, it was a totally different way of looking at things. And, you know, some of it good, and a lot of it not so good. But anywho, what do you make of? Uh, uh, we have the. Uh, what the hell do we want to talk about? We want to talk a little bit about the name, image, and likeness. But the Bears last night, they looked a little better. What, what's wrong with it? How did the Guardians win two games? Uh, that's a good question. And, you know, the the Bears, if they had not uh, uh, pissed away their the game last Sunday, we'd probably be sitting here looking at them with two wins and saying, okay. I'm not the Guardians, you know, they're on track. Yeah. Uh, the Guardians. Yeah, whatever they are. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, if the Bears had held on last week, we might be, uh, you know, having some seriously different perspectives on them. Uh, what so, do you mean? They're already yeah. Super Bowl bound. Yeah, sure. Um, no, they they have big holes. Although, you know, last night they did the things that you have to do and to win in the NFL. Um, you know, no turnovers. Um, so it's really important to take care of the ball. And while you cannot stop a passing game in the United uh, in in the NFL if there is a, um, a a reasonably good quarterback, because Basically, the rules don't allow you to cover anybody anymore. Um, the, uh, you do have to get some sacks, get some negative plays on them. Um, so they did that, and that was a good thing. And, um, you know, so it's take care of the ball, complete some touchdown passes, uh, which they did. And so, you know, all in all, uh, good for them. Um, we'll see if, uh, 
if it's the start of a, a move towards respectability, I don't know, but it, but it was good, and um, uh, I, I assume you did not see any of it, right? No, actually, I saw all of it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, they were on uh, Fox. Oh, that's right. That's right. They are yeah. on locally. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting here in Indianapolis tonight and or today, and uh, so I, I came in last night. But because I have Amazon Prime, I was able to watch uh, most of it. I, I went out for a while to uh, get, you know, across the way to get something to eat for dinner, and they did not have Prime, so well, just I didn't as, see that part of the game. Just as a as a, a historical piece of how the Bears have always been the Bears in a lot of ways. Uh, in 1963, they had a uh, what, what the hell was the record? 11, one, and two. Okay. So they win the Western Division, and they, they beat up on the Giants in the World cha- in the NFL Championship. The next year, they have arguably the greatest draft in the history of football. They they uh, draft Dick Butkus, Gale Sayers, Dick Gordon. I think there was a guy named Jimmy Jones, and they drafted some linemen who ended up having a big career in the NFL that they didn't they didn't pay for. The next year, with that addition to an 11 and one team. They came in at five and nine. How, how could you possibly do that? And and how often were they good when it, uh, when they had Sayers and Butkus? Well, the next the year answer is not very often. Well, next year uh-huh. they were, next year they were nine and five. Now these are the years Butkus played and Sayers because he was hurt a couple of years. Five and seven and sixty six. Seven and six and sixty seven. Uh, seven seven six and one. Sorry. Uh, sixty eight seven and seven. Sixty nine one and thirteen. And 76 and 8, 71, 6 and 8, 72, 4 and 9, 73, 3 and 11. You're talking about, on, on the, on the, they must have had on the 64 team, I don't know if Atkins was gone, but you had how many all pros on that team, for God's sake? Well, how many, uh, uh, how many Hall of Famers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I do think, um, because, again, you were, we were in the day when running was the king in the NFL, so, uh, so we we're, at, you know, there. It was a time when, um, uh, when when losing Sayers was a big deal because that was the difference between, you know, offensively it was just an incredibly huge difference. Uh, so you know, losing Sayers and they, you know, they lo- it was unfortunate that they lost him. He injured his knee, and a lot of people say he injured his knee. Well, so what? He'd be back. But in those days, there was no such thing as arthroscopic surgery. Therefore, um, yeah. the knee, you know, knee surgeries were as traumatic as the injuries themselves, and um, uh, so when you know that that Sayers make it made it back at all when knee injuries were considered career-ending at the time uh, was uh, a virtual miracle, and um, and I think that was probably the biggest setback that they had was uh, was losing Sayers during. Now that doesn't explain one in thirteen. But um, well, in, uh, in '64, that's when Dickie had what 89 catches and Johnny Morris had 100. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but the uh, you're right. But and that's what the big they kept showing last night. Uh, the night where they retired his and Sayers' number after many years of the Bears being mad at him because he said how, how he also was such a fanatical old knucklehead. Uh, they find it was on a Monday night football. I was there. It was the most miserable night. I've ever been in a game. It poured the entire game. The, the halftime show where they retired the numbers. It was just, it was a. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that, that, that it was raining sideways. Hey, I mean, you weren't you weren't there. <laughs> then of course, leaving Soldier Field, they had to walk to the L at Wabash, and because the city won't let you go back down, they won't let you go back down Roosevelt Road to get that L. 
once. And never, never again were going to a Monday night game. I mean, it was just but the uh, the knee injury. We'll talk about this a little bit. Butkus's knees. The, the, Ted Fox was the uh, team doctor. They called him Needles. He used to give out drugs to the players to play, like you know, uppers, and then and he was known as Needles because if you hurt yourself in the first half, he'd give you a shot of Novocaine for the second half or cortisone. I mean, it was it was br- brutality. I mean, it was, it was it, people were pieces of meat. And uh, he was the guy that he operated on Butkus, and he, he didn't do anything. There was He didn't fix anything. He just tore his whole knee up, put a cast on it, and then he put the cast on so wrong that it was hyperextended. He was in incredible pain for three days. They had to pull the cast off, put a new cast on. It was, it was when he left the Bears, he had to go to another. They kept saying he could still play. He was getting on, on planes, like in disguise, going to orthopedic surgeons around the country. They said, you need three or four surgeries just to get your leg back straight again. Your the, the thigh bone is no longer on top of the of the shin bone. Yeah, and so he wound up filing a lawsuit against the Bears because he, he had four years remaining on his contract with the Bears. And um uh and and so and and that had a no cut, no trade. So they you know, we're gonna say we're not gonna pay you unless you're gonna unless you play and uh, he said, first of all, there was uh, words, uh, verbiage in the contract that re- uh, talked about the uh, medical care he was to receive, which he never did. In fact, it was more what you just described. Yeah. And uh, um, and so he sued them for the full value of the contract, plus damages, etc. And uh, that left him estranged from George Hallis for about five years, where they didn't even speak. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was... Um, you know, it, it was a a big deal, and they eventually settled the suit, um, and and Butkus got reasonably well paid for it. But he, you know, he was left, you know, with uh, uh, replacement surgery. He was left with one leg being shorter than the other as a result of some of the surgeries that he had. So he had to walk with a, you know, a strange gait. Um, he he paid his price for the uh, uh, for playing professional football and for the style of play that he had playing for the Bears man was he good oh yeah man, man was he good and if you if you go if any of our listeners go and pull up a uh, a highlight film of him online notice how he tackled too he was a high tackler it was always you know he he, he never led with his head he always led with the chest and just wrapped these guys up and then fell on top of them well, and the uh, the Bears were so cheap they would put uh, a big box of like shoulder pads in the middle of the room. If you see Butkus play in, in the rest of the field, you see that his shoulder pads are appreciably bigger than anybody else's. And the reason for that was those were his Illinois pads. He used his college pads until he could no longer use them. They fell apart. Because Illinois, he got a custom helmet, he got custom shoulder pads. The Bears didn't do anything like that. It was the world's cheapest family. Doug Atkins was a big star in 1960. Well, he was a big star forever. He was actually, uh, I think, Lou's uh, dad's roommate at Tennessee. Doug Atkins was a, was a defensive end. He was like 6'9", 270. Well, he was a big drinker. But he, he could scissor 6'6 in high jumps. I mean, he was an amazing athlete. So he... But he was the one that said, uh, Alice threw nickels around like manhole covers. Oh, that was Ditka's line. Uh, I think he might have got it from Atkins. But, but one, yeah. But he... Uh, that guy... He, he he left in '64. He couldn't uh, couldn't stand you know the Hallis situation. But he in, 19, in 1963 they won the they won the championships with his championship money and his All Pro money. I think he said he made 22 grand. 
So we're talking about a t- an entirely different world. Plus, these people all had other jobs. You know, by the way, they're getting hurt, <laughs> and they're not even being taken care of. The, 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 uh, Doug Buffon used to tell us that, that Ted Fox walked around and handed out drugs to everybody before the game. A bunch of, bunch of uppers and some downers, and if, he, if something was hurting you, he'd give you a shot. So it was like, went like this every game. The, the, the team doctor was handing out illegal drugs. And and that was pretty much standard practice, yeah. um, you know, that uh, for for everybody, not just uh, not just the Bears. And you know, what what a way to make a living. Well, if ever, <laughs> if ever you want to see a movie that's, I'm going to say eighty percent to ninety percent accurate, see the movie Nick Nolte, North Dallas Forty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost exactly what these these guys are like talking about, All right, Kevin? Yeah, the the uh, the great line out of North Dallas Forty is, "Hey, we're just part of the equipment." Yeah, oh, without a doubt. Hey, uh, the great the great line about North Dallas Forty is that you know, they right. Tom Landry's playbook, and and the author tells tells this rookie, "Don't read that playbook, kid. Everybody dies in the end." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that that is good. And yeah, uh, Pete Gent wrote that. Uh, That's right. Uh, was was the author of that? Good morning, Lou. Morning, Lou. My morning, buddy. Uh, we're gonna break here and say, my buddy uh, Mark Duffy, who. Uh, um, played for Bo at the. He was a long snapper. Huh? He might have played some center, but the the year that the the, fir- the first strike, Lou, not the one where they actually uh, had missed games. The the, the one where he's missed some exhibition. Uh, Duffy went out and played with the Bears, and uh, you know for like four or five weeks. He said it was was a lot of fun. They played a couple exhibition games, but then they both thing got settled before the season. I don't even know what that year that was. It had to be it had to be in the seventies, probably, huh? I would guess, and. Uh, because Duffy probably graduated Michigan '72, maybe. Um, anyway, he uh, he said he couldn't believe the difference between Michigan football and the Bears football. He goes, "It's an amazing mind power operation." Goes, the, you pull the jackstrap out of a big box in the middle of the room with about a hundred jackstraps in there. That was a jackie word that like that day. He goes, "Michigan, everybody got a custom made helmet, custom made shoulder pads. Everything was new." Because the Bears were, they were, they were, because they were so cheap, it was scary. Well, the transition, you know, college football was always richer than pro football for many, for many decades, and and the transition occurred, starting probably in the late fifties with Roselle when he realized the power of television, and started started signing long term contracts with uh, with the various networks, uh, or let them bid for long term contracts. When was the first year? I remember the '63 team all the way up to. Maybe sixty six. I can't remember if I was. The Bears were never. The home games were never televised. You had to go to some bar to get some grainy ass thing from South Bend, and or in South Bend we'd get out of some areas and watch them because you could get it in South Bend. But of of you, uh, yeah. If you had an antenna that went up high enough in the air, you had to build a tower for your antenna. Yeah, I mean, in, in Chicago, you had to pick up the UHF. But when, when did they actually? When were, what was the first year the Bears home games were televised in like any kind of a national sort of thing? I mean. Had been, it probably happened in the late 60s. No, I'm not, well, I don't know. The Blackhawks, we always had a, they, they were on that, but they were an outlier. But, the, but when did NFL, were the home games on TV? They, they never were when I was growing up. I think well, they lifted the blackout rule sometime in the late 60s or early 70s. Sort of when they when they merged with the AFL? Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to yeah. break here and then we can talk more about this. SP Futures up six, NASDAQ Futures up 22. It's an amazing period piece and economics and everything else. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jackson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. 
The Control Freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Tyson Jackson. I'm Tom Allen, Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 475. The NSA Futures up 11. This is before the employment report at 730. So the second hour of the show is going to be all business with Carl talking about this employment numbers and how it's going to affect the Fed and blah, 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 and how it's going to affect the market, which had a decent day yesterday. We're up again today, so maybe we're getting a little bit of a bounce off the horrendous last week or two we've had. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the, uh, the uh, DAX up 132.9%. That's a pretty good bounce. Puts up 30 points, 0.4%, kick around up 54.8. So we got bullishness across the board over there. Asia, which has kind of been all over the place, Nikkei down 80.2%. Hang Seng up 272, but still 17,485. Hang Seng continues to not be open. Uh, their last trade was on a 928, so they've been closed for well over a week. Uh, yesterday, we were up. Well, actually, we weren't even up. The Dow was down 9, SP was down 5, NASDAQ down 16. We were looking like we might be up a little bit, but at least it wasn't down like the day before. Uh, bonds, but another three basis points, 4.75. There, therein lies the problem. Uh, Bund up two basis points, 2.90. We don't really get the three. Japan unchanged at 0.81. Oil uh, up 18 cents, but way down from 93 hours two weeks ago. It's 82.49. It's up. It's cracked. 15%, 12% in the last seven or eight trading days. Run up 14, 84, 18. Natural gas up two cents, 319. That's been creeping up steadily. Arbob up two cents, 221. Most people have found gas prices down 5, 10, 15 cents in the last week or two. Uh, gold up 350, but 1835, way down, way down, way below the range has been. We'll see if it makes a uh, shot back up or not. Silver, a nice rally, though, up 22 cents, it's 1%, 2224. Copper up four cents, two fifty-nine. We've got Bitcoin uh, up two hundred four, twenty-seven thousand six ninety-two, trying to make back the money it lost last week. And of the U.S. dollar, virtually unchanged at one hundred five five to the euro and one twenty-two even to the pound. We have for us a quick traffic, weather, sports, and back to more sports. Morning, everyone. Six thirty-five here in Chicago. Fifty-three degrees to, uh, right now. Sixty-one today. Phoenix seventy-two right now. Uh, Hundred today. Hot and plenty of sun. Kennedy Montrose in is twenty-one minutes. Edens, Lake Cook in 38 minutes. Eisenhower, Wolf to the interchange, 23 minutes. The Ryan, 95th to the interchange, 20 minutes. And the Stevenson, it's 44 minutes in. Um, in sports, Bears win at Commanders, 346 days since their last victory, 14 games ago. Uh, DJ Moore, 230 yards, three touchdowns, and they snapped their losing streak. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you, uh, gentlemen. Who and who leads the Bears in first team All Pro? 
There's some pretty good names here. Most times making first team All Pro. Yep. Oh, Peyton's got to be number one. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. Five times. Then, then Bobby Douglas. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> Lou, would you hazard a guess? Ditka. No, he's twice. Hmm. Uh, uh, Dent? No, he was like... Wait, one, how, about, how about Jim Covert? Are we talking Twice. NFL? Yeah. Uh, you guys should... Lou, I can't believe you don't know this one, or the two of them. We're, we're Reggie talking, White. We're talking about for the no, Bears. Reggie White didn't oh. play for the Bears. Jim, oh, okay. I, I would go... My next guess would be Jim Covert, and we probably shouldn't waste a lot of time get playing guessing games. No, it's... Uh, um, think of the position we're talking about. Okay, linebacker. Oh, Singletary. Singletary. Singletary, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Bill George, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. Oh, okay. So how's so so uh let me let me just cut in real quick with my, my Dick Butkus stories from uh an opposing uh team and coach perspective. One of the one of the first memories I have of are when we moved to uh, to Minneapolis from uh, from Winnipeg when, when and my father came down from Canada with the, to coach the team, the Vikings, was going down into our basement. And uh, my father had set up a film projector and a screen down there to watch film. And uh, he, was, <clears throat> he was watching film, and he said, hey, come over here and take a look at this. And uh, it, was, it was game film of Chicago, and it was Butkus. He was watching, but because he's a C number fifty-one, and I, you know, I didn't know American football very well at that point. And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Tell me what he's seeing, because he knows where this play is going." And there's no, he says, "I can't, I can't see a tip." So I'm, you know, I'm in like in seventh grade, and my father is, my father is asking me, "Can you, can you spot any differences in the way these people are lining up between these these plays?" And and I mean I looked at the film. He ran it back and forth about ten times, and I said I don't I don't see anything. He goes, well, I don't either. So don't don't feel bad. He knows where this he knows where this play is going, and he doesn't just do it here. He probably knows about sixty percent of the time. He's guessing where where the the ball is going, and and is putting himself in a position to to make the play. And uh, and that was my sort of my first introduction. To have you read Have you read his book, Lou? One of his quotes in the book was, at every level of football, high school, college, and pro, if you're willing to really pay attention, somebody will tell you where the play's going. He, he, was, he was unbelievably perspe- uh, perceptive. The other, the other story that I will tell you from, the, again, an opposing team perspective, I was good friends uh, with, because I worked as a ball boy in the summer, with a guy named Stubby Eason, who was the, the Viking team manager for many years. And uh, he... he I was working a game, a sideline one, one uh, year with uh, Chicago, and, and this, again, this was right after I'd gotten there. And he goes, okay, he goes, we have to get out all the extra foam. And I said, foam? And he said, yeah, extra extra padding. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we're going to have to add extra pads for uh, two uh, or extra pieces of foam to the shoulder pads and some of the hip pads and stuff like that that we've got uh, because uh, we're playing Butkus. And the backs are all going to are all going to come in <laughs> As for as for extra padding, <laughs> well, he would. I was, I was telling uh, Kevin and Greg he his in high school. I mean, he had no family to talk to, right? He was the youngest of twelve, and at night he would come home from school. And he would if somebody had an old car. He would push the old car up and down the street. There was a little bit of a hill, 
you push it up and then you get in there and let it you know steer it back down and then you push it back up again that's what he did like every night the guy was amazingly powerful i mean we, yeah. before people had weights and everything else but uh he said the only the quarterback that absolutely mystified him was johnny unitas so the dude was stone cold he'd back up those he goes those blue eyes that look right down the middle of the field you got no tell and all of a sudden he turned and throw and somebody's open he goes the guy was unreal some guys just see the game differently, whether it's a Gretzky in hockey or uh, uh, or a John Unitas or a Butkus in football or Magic Johnson, Larry Bird in, in basketball. They just see it differently from everybody in fact, else. In fact, if you if you listen to the discussions about uh, Brady or even about somebody like uh, uh, Mahomes or, or Brock, even Brock Purdy, one of the things that jumps out about these to, to observers about these guys is that they see the entire field and and it's not it's not a challenge for them at least right now for Purdy but the other two guys certainly not it's not a challenge for them to figure out where to put the ball where they should be throwing it where they should be moving uh, because because they've got they've got the, the whole field in their head um, it's like watching it's like a, a grandmaster at chess who sees the whole board you know, I, I once heard Joe Namath describe it as, you know, when he was a rookie, first year, second year quarterback, it was like playing football with a curtain drawn across the field that you couldn't see behind it. And he said, when when you really learn the game, when you really figure out the game, it's like somebody opens the curtain and now you can see everything. Well, I mean, I mean, one of the one of the funniest stories I, I, I remember again from growing up. Is my friends would occasionally come over uh, to watch uh, to watch a game with uh, with us, and you know my father could watch Monday Night Football, and and he, he eventually got to the point where he couldn't stand it because he just he would just turn the volume off because he thought the announcing was so bad. <laughs> but he would he would just he would first thing he would complain about is you can't see the field because they were focused in from you know tackle to tackle, but but he would the play would happen and you'd hear the announcer say something. You'd hear, you know, you'd hear Cosell or Meredith say something, and then he would he would make some comment, and all the the rest of us would be looking around, going, "What did what did you see? What what did you just what did you just see that 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 develops or uh, that that showed where that play was going or what or what went wrong?" And he would, you know, he would give you a quick a quick discussion. He'd say, "You see this this defensive lineman? You see that linebacker when he comes up into that position? This is going to happen." And I mean, we're talking about about matters of maybe a few feet, you know, in terms of movement, in terms of placement. But but you know, his his training and and his skill was was being able to see all of that, take it all in, and then at the snap of the football, instantly pick up keys that told him all right this play is going here this play is breaking down because of this and and you know be able to articulate it so what would you I mean now would you I mean, how do you uh find that out on your team and how do you lecture your team to make sure that your stance is the same on a running play as a passing play and stuff because most people it's not I mean, uh, I mean if it's an obvious passing play I guess nobody cares but there are plays where you want you'd like the other team to not know what you're doing um, he he uh, he did coach obviously. He coached consistency. He coached uh, you know same same looks all of that. Um, they did adjust. I know that they adjusted the stances of a number of guys when he first came in. Not so much to get them to be more effective blockers, but just because they were they you know detailed film study. And you know 
this this was nothing new. By the time by the time these guys got to got to the, the Vikings in '67, they were they had even then they had they had been coached out of you know tells because that 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 screws up your effectiveness as a, as a football player if you if you've got a tell for, for certain kinds of plays. Um, the only you know the only kind of of work that I that I saw him do in that respect was was early on. He was not a big stance guy. You know, my father was one of these guys that said, you know, as long as your stance is consistent and as long as your stance allows you to get the job done, I really don't care what it looks like. Um, and I, I'm sure I've told this story here. When Randall McDaniel came into the league, he had a terrible three-point stance. And uh, and Jerry Burns, who was the Viking head coach at the time, came to my father and said, "This looks, he looks like hell out there. And And my father goes, he knocks down everybody that you put in front of him. When you've got a goose laying golden eggs, you don't mess with the goose. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I, I just I, I don't want to take up uh, any more time. I, I just wanted to come in and talk. Well, about it's it. in, it's a uh... well, well. While you're here, though, let's. Uh, you got got any thoughts on uh, Pat Fitzgerald and now Mel Tucker? Uh, um, uh, also oh yeah, well, the Mel Tucker, the Mel Tucker thing was uh, was was, to my mind, uh, a classic. Uh, overreaction by the school. The investigation was terrible. Uh, it looked like a. Right, say, tell everybody what the Mel Tucker thing was. Uh, uh, Michigan State coach. Michigan State head coach. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He brought in. He brought in a diversity, inclusion, and equity consultant who was this woman who alleged that you know that she could, you know, make the team more aware of. You know, she was a rape rape, rape victim or a victim. sexual assault yeah, victim sexual or assault something, victim, right? And and you know she and Tucker got into some kind of a phone sex relationship where they were talking back and forth. I don't know if there was anything more to it. I don't think anything is is alleged. But she alleges that during the course of these what are, appear to me to be purely consensual conversations. That, that he said terrible things to her, and uh, you know she blew the uh, she threw the Me Too flag, blew the Me Too horn, and the school the school fired him. Yeah, well, although I will say uh, the, the president, in his statement, in a statement I never thought I would hear from a university president, said it's never acceptable to masturbate on the phone with a vendor. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> okay, <if laughs> that's that's right. I mean, fine, Jeffrey to- with Jeffrey Tubin, you could do it in, in meetings, though. Did they have tapes? I, or is these, this is hearsay? You recorded. Uh, she recorded there's what all. there's what they've admitted to it as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, so and that I, it's, I, it's not. It's nobody's denying the facts. What Lou's talking about is the circumstances of uh, the conditions of firing. Right. And so my you know my reaction is is that he's. I don't know if he's going to have a case. Um, he'll he'll play he'll play. I'm sure the race the race angle. I'll, I'll play that up in terms of the way they did the investigation. I'm, I, you know, there's probably, he's probably got evidence of other coaches or other people who have had similar types of kind of sexual, off work, outside work, sexual relationships that didn't get him fired. I, I, I'm guessing there'll be something like that. I, I thought that was handled just incredibly, incredibly badly. But if, if that's, you know, uh, they, they reacted, they overreacted immediately. This, this looked like consensual conduct between between two adults now that if, if elements of that are are problematic then then you can you can go at it but but just the fact that this, this relationship was was couched in some kind of, of uh, 
sexual harassment vibe I think is is ridiculous and and unfortunate um, Fitzgerald is Pat Fitzgerald the Northwestern coach a little more complicated um, classic example I think of of and, and I you know I'm sure they were consulting counsel at this point but but clients do stupid stuff even when their lawyers are, are talking to well, them. this big guy now is Dan Webb right oh yeah so they're going at you know this 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 is another example of when you conduct one of these investigations and you think you've got a problem your people need to be very very careful about what they say to the target of the investigation and how they say it um, apparently somebody the president or somebody uh, told uh, told Fitzgerald hey look we've run our investigation on this program we've we've you know there's some some misconduct we're concerned about we're going to suspend you uh, and if you uh, if you accept the suspension and you issue a support a statement supporting the program then you've got your job and then and then some other angle on this broke and chief we talked a little bit about this about about how school, crucial the school is. newspaper broke something else right student newspaper yeah. broke broke a story that the, the, there were other allegations of uh, more direct acts of hazing you know my first reaction was how did the how did the firm that was running the initial investigation miss this and and maybe maybe they didn't miss it maybe this is you know something else well that's where the guy that's where the school newspaper supposedly got it from was a report right well well allegedly no they there was allegedly there were other allegations okay. that were made they didn't talk to the investigation the original investigation didn't talk to certain people in any event if they had an oral contract, if if this uh, a school official, the president, made that statement to Fitzgerald, and and that's the allegation, so it's a he said, she said kind of thing, and it's gonna that will go to trial. Um, well, he if, did get the suspension, and the suspension was right, supposed exactly. to be supposed to be over. So I mean, it seems exactly. like I believe Fitzgerald on this one. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, it it, it it's going to go it's going to go to trial. So you have an oral contract, and then. Once you breach the contract, now you've got defamation. You've got uh, uh, tortious interference with with uh, an employment agreement. You've got uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress. You know, basically making them very. How much? Active. How much was if, just just payment on the contract in full? How much of the hundred thirty million is that? Like half or something? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I didn't read the exact breakdown of the damage. Well, they want. They want. They, I think. You know, I don't know about this. I think he might have just. Greg, why don't you look this way? I think he might have just signed an extension or something. So he had, he had some, t- he had like a few years left on the contract that whatever they were paying him. So some he, of he had eight years left on it. Wow. Okay. And what's he like? Three million a year or something like that? Two and a half? Yeah, it's a big number. It's yeah. It's like yeah. Five. I thought it was like five. Yeah, I think uh, there's 130 million total is what we're claiming. Okay. Yeah, 130 million on the on the claim. But, oh, that's the damages. But, but yeah, a chunk yeah. of that, yeah, a chunk of that is is. Uh, Damages and, sixty-eight uh, million was uh, the remainder of the contract, wow. which was seven and three quarter years from his firing date. That's a lot. That's yep. a lot. So yeah, I think the only raise. place that Fitzgerald puts himself in jeopardy is to say he didn't know, and he still maintains that he didn't know. Which I don't know about you guys, but I don't believe for a second. Um, so. 
because college coaches are control freaks who tend to know every damn thing that's going on in their programs. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't believe it. But if someone can prove that, um, then that's going. I, I think that's the one thing negative? that could undermine his case. Well, the thing I, I, I'm going to have to go with Kevin on this one, which is I hate to ever go with Kevin, but yeah, I, mean, I don't blame you. It wasn't like the dude was Lou Holtz dragged in from Minnesota to coach there. I mean, he, he played there. He was an assistant there the whole time. If anybody knows what's going on at every single level of the program, it's him because he probably got hazed. I I suspect I suspect uh, Kevin has has hit the nail on the head here. If if they can show that he knew it, first of all, if they can show that it's true that there was you know this stuff was actually happening, and that and then that he knew about it, uh, there goes the defamation claim, and and if a jury uh, believes that, then then I think they're going to they're going to come in. The, the defense will be whatever oral contract was formed was formed on the basis of deceptive conduct on the part of Mr. Fitzgerald, and and therefore that contract is void. So, um, I'm going to say if, if I was you, Lou, and you were doing the case, I try and find somebody who was a freshman when when Fitzgerald was a senior and see if Fitzgerald hazed him. I mean that would obviously be one angle that that you know would let you would let you connect with the jury emotionally. I'm not sure that would be admitted, uh, but as evidence. But if you could, you could because what you'd have to do, Chief, is establish a never-ending string of you know conduct from that point to to now. Um, well, if it started I think, back then, and they're talking about it now. I don't think there was a pause. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, you'd have to show that. Um, but I, I think I think where this is going to go, and, and to go back to my original point, this is the incredible danger of running these investigations and and not really treating the the object of the investigation as a suspect or as somebody that you know has has something to hide, and and trying to maintain these kind of collegial relationships in the middle of one of these investigations, and and I can tell you some horror stories about investigations that I ran with involving, you know, conduct, much more serious corporate conduct rather than than hazing that, you know, got, got blown up because somebody in the in the leadership team, you know, said, well, you know, this is old Bob. He's a great guy. Da, 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 da. You know, I'll talk to him about what we're finding or I'll make a mention to him or, you know, somebody says, hey, Bob, don't worry. We're going to take care of this and, you know, this will all work out in the end. And, you know, the next thing you know, your investigation is compromised or your ability to enact whatever you want to do against old Bob is is limited because somebody's told him, somebody in power with the power to do it, has told him, we'll take care of you, we'll, we'll you know, just do this, it'll be a limited suspension, it'll be a limited forfeiture of compensation, whatever. And, and that's it. You know, you've you've bound you've bound the company. What? Uh, why is it always old Bob? There's no young perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Well, I, we'll have to look into that. <laughs> Greg, Greg, would you get on online and start searching for young perverts? <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet there's a few. So, uh, um, so the Bears are, are, are playoff bound. What, uh, Lou? Well, we have the both of you guys here. We only got a couple minutes. Um, this whole, I, 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 I just can't. We we're talking last night with a couple guys, and uh, it's the first time I've ever, 
I've ever seen a, a the thing about politicians they always make sure they're in the game this is the first time a, a, a body of politicians has taken themselves out of the game as House of Representatives. I, I can't believe this. The more I think about it, I, I can't believe it even more. What What if they can't come Tom, to an agreement? Tom, they're going to resolve it next week. Next they, week. But, how, Donald, long you, how long do you think they're willing to do it? Yeah, Trump's already endorsed. <laughs> uh, Trump, Trump endorsed, uh, uh, what's the guy's name, uh, Jordan. Oh, I thought Trump. I thought Trump was going to do it himself. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, people threw that idea out, and of course Trump let it you know, fuel for a little bit and said, well, you know, if they need me, if they really, but, but, you know, he went ahead and last night issued an endorsement of Jim Jordan. Well, there is a house rule. That's what what I said on, on, on Wednesday, um, is the, uh, the Democrats, uh, you know, fully participated in this. It's not, it's not their doing, but once it, once there was a vote to be taking, taken, they were very, very happy, uh, to uh, to uh, uh, pile on the uh, Republican chaos. This and, is this is the functional equivalent, Kevin, of that idiot pulling the fire alarm. Yeah, and and so, but I said, you know, so they'll, they'll enjoy the Republican chaos, but they may not be happy with who who they get as speaker instead, and they will not like having Jim Jordan as the speaker if that's the way it shakes out. I don't know if it will. I have no no feeling for how much you know how widespread the support will be for him. Um, but if they if they do get him, he's going to be a guy they don't like having in the speaker role. Well, you can you can poo poo me in the fact that it's going to be resolved quick. It's still the first time a legislative body, in my mind, off themselves for any period of time. Either Tom, day. Why, why is it any different than a government shutdown? I mean, in because fact, it's 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 more benign than a government shutdown because it's not like they don't meet. It's not like the committees can't meet and can't do work or any of that. They just can't vote on legislation. This is, I thought they you know, were all going it, home for ten days. Well, or something. It, they're not convening Congress, and it's not for ten days. It's until Monday. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think that was a wise move by the uh, Speaker Pro Tem because you don't, you know, you don't want all of this playing out on the Senate floor. You, you know, every everybody right now is doing the uh, backroom dealing and figuring out what they're going to do, and that's probably best done. So they're still uh, out, outside the uh, uh, view of TV cameras. All right. So if if you're Mike Murphy and you've got some report about some sp- secret operations someplace and you want to get in front of the house and senate combined committee on secret operations you can still call those guys and they can still meet sure yes so um, that's what i said don't, you know don't don't be such a bedwetter about this this is not a big deal well it, it it's a big deal i mean it, it, it's, it, it's a big deal but it's we've been more, around for 275 more, years and it's, it's more fun it's more fun news for people than it is well, anything else it's, it hasn't happened in 250 years so it is somewhat of a big deal well, it's fun news. It does. It does show the um, something happening within the Republican Party that I think has already happened for the most part within the Democratic Party, and that is the the move to a polarized, a much more polarized and extreme uh, sort of view of government, and and you know, sort of a, an overall cultural look at the at the institution. The Republican Party has legitimate moderates there are virtually none of those left in the democratic party you you now see a power move by the extremists who are although the some of the commentators i listen to refer to these guys as nihilists but i i refer to them as as extremists and they are they this is a this is the first move to begin to eliminate that that moderate you know moderate 
group within the within you the know, Republican Party. Yeah, you know, they they won a wartime conciliary, and yep. uh, and the Democrats have had one in Nancy Pelosi for a long time. Well, I'm going to say a couple things here because we run over a minute. Uh, to, one is if you were to go back over the last 25 years that I've been kind of watching this crap, uh, every time the there's been one party that has uh, has like control of the House or both both for, it may have been worse. The fights in those years is not between the parties; it's between people in the controlling party, no matter who it is. When Newt Gingrich had the same problem when he was in charge, the people inside of his party were fighting against the other people. And then one of the Democrats—that's why Obama couldn't do crap his first term, even though he had a majority. All he did was fight. So, he had, yeah, he had a veto-proof majority, yeah. but he also didn't propose the legislation but he promised to I'm going to say, if, if you, that, but uh, Tom, that, that's not even you know not even really the the big issue here because it, yes, it absolutely is Republican infighting, and and as Lou said, you've you've got a very very far right that is angling for what it wants and uh, and getting away from the moderates. The Democrats had that too when the uh, you know the uh, uh, Ayanna Presley's and. Uh, and, and Ocasio Cortez and people like that got elected, but you noticed how uh, how successfully, and, and and some of that was throwing them some bones, and some of it was throwing uh, was just you know strong arming. But you noticed how successfully uh, Pelosi squashed that. She was really good at it. Well, she, she, you know, she's good at hardball politics, way better than well, Kevin let's, McCarthy let's, apparently. Let's lab this quick one up there, and we'll we'll chew on it next week. But uh, the the is uh, the. What we talk about on the show all the time, I mean, uh, Carl maybe drove us down this road, is it really doesn't matter who's in office, which party, over the last 30 years, all that happens, every single president, every single group doubles the budget deficit every time they're in there, when they're in there. And it really, they do it differently. The Republicans drop taxes on people. Democrats spend money on people, whatever the hell. They, they basically have pushed this to a spot where the, the government is to- totally broke. And Lou, we talked about the Chinese thing the other day. It's all the same subject. Now, these people that come in there, and they just happen to be on the far right this time, people think they're conservative. I just think they know how to add. I, mean, I, I might not even like these guys, but the fact is, McCarthy, none of these people are doing anything about the fiscal uh, common sense of the government. And this group is pissed off. And it, 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 Next time it could be the Democrats. But somebody somewhere... As, you know, somebody somewhere is going to say, I don't care who you are, McCarthy, Pelosi, whoever, we're spending too friggin' much. And I, I, I think, let's, let's kind of tee that one up next week. But yeah, because I'd love to think that that's what's really driving uh, um, Gates and the others, but I have no confidence. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have no so. confidence in that either. Lou, thank you very much for calling in, bud. Kevin, as usual, good stuff. Now we have Carl talking about the uh, the market and these labor numbers. Obviously, if the numbers are good today, I'll be all upset because the Fed's going to have to raise again, but we'll see that in a minute. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI Pro Direct can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI Pro Direct. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, we're back to Stocks and Jacks. Time out. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up five. Nasdaq Futures up twenty-four. Back to business here. Um, we have Mr. Carl with us. You do. You do. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff. The first hour. We had to had to talk a little bit about the. Uh, Dick Butkus is like because he's South Sider. Uh, I knew people that knew him, and uh, the family was was a, was a def, was a transitional family from you know immigrants to other people with a lot of kids, and there was a dynamic in those kind of families, Carl. That if you weren't sort of in the area and saw it, you would never really have understood how it came down. But it was a it was a different world, uh, and it wasn't that long ago. Just just saying. Um, uh, I don't know if you were where did, where did you grow up? Well, in the metropolitan Detroit area, but then uh, I, it would, fast as I could get out of there, it was good. Okay, there you go. Well, I mean, it, it you know, it, that was family dynamics, and it was crap. Okay. But, it, yeah, I mean, it, and it is what it is. I, it, um, and then uh, wound up in Chicago basically because I was rapidly uh, going broke. I was down to my last hundred dollars. Uh, and it, 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 nothing like the gallows when that happens. No, nothing, nothing motivates you like uh, being, you know, having a, a, you know, crappy car that is, uh, you know, I, it starts and runs, but that's all you can say about it, right? I mean, you know, the water comes up through the floorboards, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you have a hundred bucks, yeah. <laughs> and and you know what's coming in, in about another week. At that well, rate, I, mean, right? I was I was so was so uh, taken by the, the family dynamics. I knew some families kind of like this, but nothing to this extent that you know the Butkus family had twelve people. The old man worked two jobs, and I know people that lived in the building that he managed at night after his eight hours at Pullman during the day. And because he didn't speak English very well, he never really got much promotion at Pullman. Uh, and the family, I mean, they they never once, maybe maybe Thanksgiving, I don't know, but never once had, like, dinner together. Mother threw a bunch of chow in the middle of the dinner for the boys to eat like wolves, and then she ate with the dad when he came home later. And no conversation, no how do you do at school, no what's his teacher like, nothing like that at all. I mean, any kind of a... It wasn't like anybody hated each other. It just, you know, that's just the way it was. I mean, in a... And there had to be all kinds of families like that, people working double shifts and parents not there at the same time. And I mean, it, it was a it was a it was a tough time to be alive in a lot of ways. Well, this was this was a little different and a lot worse. But anyway, doesn't really matter no, at this point. No, uh, no, it doesn't. So what do you, what uh, I, I, I really, my my tell you what, my one personal theme in trading, I've never liked trading in those times, Carl, when, when bad news is good news and vice versa. Now today. Oh, you mean like today is about to be? Yeah, like today is about to be. Or if the, <laughs> the numbers come in good, all of a sudden the market's going to get crapped on, and you know because another Fed's got to run. I, I, somehow, I just that's always been very difficult for me to trade those times, and I don't, I don't know. I, may, I don't think I'm alone with that, but 
just no, you're not, you're not, Chief. But I, you know, I mean, it's uh, here's 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 the basic dynamic shift that's happened. Okay, uh, when when I was much younger, just coming into being an adult was, of course, when Volcker was doing his thing. Right, it was just after the you know after the 1970s inflationary spikes, and of course, I had no money because that's what having your last hundred dollars is, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. and nothing I could invest but if I had had something I could invest the the trade of a lifetime was to buy long dated bonds oh for sure I mean it, you know buy 30 year treasuries clip coupons for the next 30 years and uh, as or or god five or six years later sell them for double what you paid for them right yeah, except uh it, well, so but but here's the thing, right? So but you had to have the cash, which most people at that time didn't because of the inflationary spike and everything else. All right, so but here's here's because I was I was one of those guys, by the way, but I didn't trade bonds, I was trading um, options. And here here's the here's the issue. I'm going to say that uh I have certainly a lot of respect for your intellect and everything. I will say that if the eight and a half percent bond that went off, let's say at a hundred, at some point back in those days. These are numbers. These are real numbers, by the way. Oh yeah. The 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 the, the coupon. Whenever, whenever. Let me go back a little bit. When you trade a thirty-year bond future, okay, there is a bond that is the key bond for that future. Right. Right. And and when I was a member of the board of trade, every every three months, whatever the settlement was, I'd get this big thing in the mail. Like if, if you if these were the QSIP numbers, blah, 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 blah. well, if you had a QSIP number, if you had a bond that was a month before or three months before, you may have to deliver one hundred point zero zero two of those bonds to equal the other one, or nine 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 nine. So all, you can actually match up, but there's a huge formula, but there because there is a bond. I'm right. Gonna say, I'm going to say there's, color, a, there's a reference. Yeah, right. I'm going to I'm going to say without casting any aspersions on you. When that bond started, to, when that rate started to go nine percent, nine and a half, ten. If you were a trader like me that had some sort of a thought of the future, that thing starts creeping down to ninety-four, ninety-two, ninety. Which means now, if the eight and a half percent rate goes to nine in the market rate, the price of the bond goes from one hundred to ninety-five or so, or something like that. It's not an exact number. And if it goes to ten, it's going to go to eighty-eight, and it, and it keeps going. I'm going right. to say, I think the bottom tick, Lou, was 66 and a half. I'm going to say that the, Lou, sorry, that the Carl Denninger I know would have bought some at 82, some at 75, some at 70, and wondered what the bleep was going on, and probably you didn't have any scratch left to buy the 66 tick. But no, no, I, I I understand that. I'm just saying that there, but there were people. Because that happened to me, that, by the way, in the stock side. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this is, but my the point I'm making though is that if if you had the scratch, right, and I and I watched an awful lot of people get blown up that had some very nice stuff when I was young, and all of a sudden they didn't. <laughs> all yeah. Right, I mean, you know, people that had boats and couldn't afford to put gas in them, oh, kind yeah, of yeah. things, right? Uh, saw a lot of that when I was young, and. We we have, in the time since, uh, I mean, in the, in the early 1990s, early mid 1990s, 
as as you know, because you were in Chicago at the same time I was in Chicago, and you were trading at the same time that I was trying to build a business, and that was where my money was going. It wasn't going into markets because I was you know putting it in, into MCS. Uh, there was a relatively small version of some really nasty economic times, relatively small by comparison to what, you know, when I had only $100 to my name. That relatively small version put a friend of mine who I used to golf with all the time, he had an operating line for his business, very successful little small business, about a dozen employees, he had his operating line called by the bank. Oh, yeah. Well, that... well, he was instantly done. Okay. And this was this was not a schlub outfit that was not making any money and, you know, was su- surviving on rolling over debt and things like that. No, no, no. This was this is a profitable operation. I <laughs> You you know the uh the little machine that the eye doctor uses that blows a puff of air at your oh, eyeball? Yeah. yeah. Guess who invented it? This guy? Yeah. Wow. He, he he made that machine. That's uh, they're, they're searching for uh, what's the name of the, what's the disease? Your, your eyes get too. Uh, well, it's glaucoma. Yeah, yeah, glaucoma. Yeah, but the thing is, is I, he, you know, that was one of the things he made, and and gone instantaneously. Now, of course, you know, now the patents, you know, expired on it and everything else, right? But yeah, he was a friend of mine, and we we used to go golf and hang out and stuff like this. And I I also did his IT stuff for him. I brought him computers, and everything else. And one day he he calls me up and he says, "Hey, you know, uh, we're done." <laughs> well, if you, if you're big enough, the, the Pullman used to it was a, was a massive Pullman Incorporated was a huge borrower because it, you probably know this. I don't know if the listeners even conceive of how this could possibly be. But when you see the, the outfit Kellogg Brown and Root now, right. Right. Well, Kellogg was part of Pullman back then. It was Pullman Kellogg? Because when Pullman split apart, that's when Kellogg went over to Brown and Root. But Kellogg did all this stuff in the in the, I'll say, the third world outside of the U.S. And the, the way a lot of the stuff was done through the Import Export Bank or through a lot of these big money center banks. And the uh, one one of the things when you went and got a line of credit, if you were borrowing money, not only did you have to pay the interest, you had to keep a compensating balance. Right, so, which which so if you were big and you actually could could pay the dough, the banks were <laughs> they're doing oral sex on you for God's sake. I mean, it, oh yeah, no, <laughs> they, oh no, they love they love you. Yeah, well, exactly. Pullman, they were they couldn't wait to get at us. I mean, Pullman had because what what happened is they would do say say you're, you're building a refinery in Saudi or someplace, the entire money from the 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 uh, refinery would run through Pullman's books. Even though Pullman Kellogg's part of the deal might be four million dollars of engineering and, and construction, you know, four million dollars a lot of money back then, in construction supervision or something, the thing might have been a hundred million dollar plant or two hundred million dollar, but all that would run through Pullman and the banks and the import export bank would all be part of that interest at the rate at the time, which was like twelve or fifteen. So they were, then you had to give them what twenty percent of the money back for free to go loan to somebody else. I mean, it was the best deal ever to be to be a banker in those days, for God's sake, and uh, and that's and so they were like you're saying. They, they, why they would pull somebody's line that was paying? It's probably because they weren't big enough to bother with. 
Well, yeah, and well, what it what it basically came down to is that uh, you know they just uh, they just hosed him because they could. And what a lot of people don't understand, if you've never actually been in you know in, in business, because most people's experiences with that are uh, you know they buy a house, they buy cars, or whatever, right? Or they have a credit card. Yep. And if you have a credit card uh, during the 08, 09 time period, an awful lot of banks slammed your available balance down to whatever your outstanding was. So they essentially cut you off, but they, they couldn't call the outstanding loan. Uh, and the same thing was true for a mortgage. I mean, it's, you know, it's a mortgage as long as you can make the monthly payments. Uh, you know, life may suck, but as long as you can make them, you keep the house. Business lines almost always are callable. And it was one of the reasons when I when I ran MCS, we had uh, you know we had substantial banking relationships with a, a couple of places, and uh, every one of them was after us to to have a revolver, or have an operating line for oh, this yeah. or that. I think every single one of the the agreements that they proffered stuck in front of me had had the ability for them to call it. Every one of them. I, I said, "You people are out of your effing mind if you think I'm going to take this." Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's just an invitation. Well, we'd never do that. Oh, you'd never do that to me, huh? You mean like the guy that I that you know was a friend of mine that you did do it to? <laughs> well, these guys. There was a <laughs> it steady, wasn't the same bank, but it didn't matter, right? Well, the steady stream of these guys going to Kelly's office at Pullman when I was downtown, and it all wanting because there was ten people in the credit line, but we probably didn't access the bottom four or five. But just to just to have them in the credit line, you had to have a, a compensating balance at their bank, right? Oh so, yeah, well, no, they I didn't, know. They didn't make any interest on. But uh, the uh, I'll say these guys they used to take us out. We went. They took us on a bus to uh, get a little of this. Carol, what's what's the big uh, fancy club in the what used to be the Sears Tower, the World's Tower? The Metropolitan, oh, Metropolitan I don't remember. But yeah, I, yeah, I know where you're talking about. Well, they took it. us to dinner there, and of course it was so cl- foggy that night I couldn't see out the window. But then they took us a bus to see Anthony Quinn and Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> oh, yeah. These are just so you borrow money from the people. I mean, it was like it, it was it was a totally totally different world. But there was so oh, much chief money. I, chief, I had these guys that, that you know they would take a that, you know they they'd take me to the skybox at uh, you know Pistons games and stuff. Uh, you wow. know, over at uh, you know at the, at the United Center and you know we do the we we do the Bulls and uh, and oh gee it's Bulls v Pistons. Well, that's that's a good one, right? But on some part I, of know, the uh, like some parts of the the area I was in the passenger cars. The 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 people in government once in a while you actually get somebody with a brain cell working, Carl. Uh, they actually took that out of the of the loop. They said, okay, we want you guys to bid on these railroad cars, but we we don't really want the financing to be part of the bid. So right. were, so what they said is, okay, we're going to give you progress payments where unless you're really screwed up, you, you're never going to really be in hack. Because they didn't right. want, they didn't want. So w- when you sign the contract, I think the Boston contract, the, on signing, it was originally twenty five million with the thirty five million contract. Was, they gave you ten percent, and they wrote essentially a six million. Yeah, they they, they yeah. basically you you had the operating cash flow in order to make the cars. Yeah, right, and so so they they basically took all the somebody could financing, somebody couldn't, somebody's bank was so they they took that out of the equation, which I think was well, that's a pretty good uh, that's idea. that's a better way to do business. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's but I mean it. Uh, you know, we when you're in a hyper-competitive, fast-growing industry like we were, uh, you know, you have two choices. One is that you lever yourself up to the gills, and and you pray to God they come. Yeah. Right. After you build the stuff, or you take a slower approach to things, and you say, well, 
you know, I got to leave this business on the table and this business on the table because I just simply don't have the cash flow to finance it. And uh, you know, and we'll we'll take what we can afford to pay for. Well, I did the second, but we had every banker in the freaking state trying to get us to do number one. And if if you hit everything right, and I you know, I've I have a friend of mine I still talk to that's that's still up in that area. Um, he he hit things the right way, and and by God, he's got a hell of a lot more money than I do. Well, if you can, uh, but I'll tell you what: there's an awful lot of people that went down that road, and and all you need to do is is have one time you swing at the ball and miss. Well, and you you're done. end up you end up out on your skis. A good example is uh, like building houses. If some guy wants to open up a track and build a hundred houses, and you and I want to be electricians. I guarantee you. The guy is going to say, "Well, okay, you you front all the wire, all everything. When right. I sell, when I sell the houses, I'll pay you." When you're sitting there going, "Wait a minute, we're, we're only making, you know, let's say half a million dollars on this deal. And that's probably a lot, but you want us to go out and buy five million dollars worth of equipment or, or supplies, essentially on our credit. Where if this thing, you never sell a house, I made a half million dollars, but now I'm in hack for five. That's not a very good equation." That's why when 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 you see a development go under, it takes an awful lot of people with him. Because there's no way. I mean, if he were to say, you know, "Carl and Chief, here's the four and a half mil fill for the million for the wire, for lack of a right. better term," and by the way, can you can you spot me on your labor? That's one thing. <laughs> you know, because you, you're not. We're not. Well, ch- well our Chief, we're, yeah, we're starting to see that around here, right? I mean, I've there's there's a bunch of tracks that showed up while I was out of town. I, I kind of keep my finger on a pulse of things going on around here. A bunch of like 20 acre tracks that showed up uh, at ridiculous prices. Okay, and they're in an area that is was was being very heavily developed for short term rentals. Uh, and I know exactly what happened. I I don't know the companies that were involved in it, but I know what they did. They bought these things up and they put the utility infrastructure in for you know sticking twenty, uh, twenty or forty, uh, you know short term rental cottages on it, right? You know log houses. And uh, something went wrong. So now, the guy who paid to have the utility infrastructure put in, um. Well, if you bought that twenty-acre track to put a single-family house on it, you you've got, uh, you know, you got enough power, water, and sewer for forty houses, right? But that's a sunk cost. Oh yeah, you, you all you need is is two hundred amps of service for one house. So, um, excuse me, uh, which of course is why the price is where it is. Well, guess what? He's not going to get that unless somebody else comes along and thinks that they can make real uh, you know single family residences out of it uh, but but that stuff's starting to be puked up around here now I have and a, then a real stupid question if, and I, uh, because there's some of the stuff going on in Orland and all the different states are the same if, if I'm going to put up 50 houses on a track of land and I'm going to tap into say the city water and you're going to send these people a bill for water forever who who puts all the pipes in is that me or do they help um, well, so it depends. Now, we one of the things that happened about a year, year and a half ago here, is that the county commission said no more sewer taps. And, uh, why is that? Well, because they were out of capacity at the plants. Okay. And so they they got they had one relatively high density development that went in near where I live. And after that one, they said, no more of this BS. And part of the problem with it is that 
and I, I suspect I, I gave them a few speeches during the during the virus times and one of the things I warned them about was getting out over their skis in terms of the the fact that we were being we were open no one else was so we were getting crazy fill rates and crazy prices on you know Airbnbs and stuff like this right well guess what um, at some point uh, no matter how bad COVID ended up being and no matter how long it lasted it was eventually going to end and when it did all those places that were shut down, driving all that tourism business here, were going to reopen. And the people who would rather have a more, um, shall we say, liberal experience in Asheville rather than a more conservative one here in Sevierville, uh, were going to go back to Asheville because Asheville's open again, right? And, I mean, that's, that's where they wanted to go in the first place. They came here because they didn't have a choice. Okay, so when that happens, all that synthetic demand is going to evaporate and you had better not have built your municipal staffing and tax base and everything else expecting that this fill rate and these prices are going to hold because they're not um, and, and apparently someone took that in the planning department at least a little bit to mind because uh, you know eight nine months later there's this this thing that starts flying around that basically this development that they built over here is the last one they were going to allow on the sewer taps and I suspect so what's the fallback the problem, position a huge septic system <clears throat> well, if you have enough land, yeah, but but see, you need you need something around uh, half to three quarters of an acre to be able to do that because you got to be able to put in the drain field and stuff, right? So, and in septic, if you live in an area where the city is kind of close, the city water is kind of close, is is a potent is a ticking time bomb because if they do come through with the sewer mains, you are forced to connect to them. And they and they dump concrete down your septic system to force you on there. Right. All right. So I mean, it's and, and we're not talking about a small amount of money either. You know, in that situation, and the you know putting in septic is not cheap. Uh, well, guess what? That's that's at that point, it's abandoned, sunk cost. It's gone. One of my uh, um, early clients, Carl. When I went up there and visited. I have pictures somewhere. Audrey does. Uh, ever heard of the Bay of the Islands up in Canada? Yeah. Uh, Lake Huron at the top edge of Lake Huron. Well, he had a few islands up there, which now you can't get anymore because you got them from the Crown back in the day. Right. The uh, they were all pretty much all rock. You know, it's very very similar to the topography of Quetico. The glacier just scraped everything off. Yeah. Um, you have, you had to bring out barge loads of dirt to create the septic field. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's areas around here that won't perk. Okay. And and then, <laughs> oops. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to bring. Well, you can actually you can make one if you put enough dirt in there, can't? Well, uh, yeah, you could you could do a lot of things if you got an infinite amount of money. Yeah. God. <laughs> the uh, what do you say we go to break early? So when these numbers come out, we're uh, we'll have them. We're talking about a, a what well, they're looking at one seventy with a three point seven. Yeah. Or, well, I I I think uh, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are going to be, but I'll tell you what. From an economic perspective, I think anybody that's not expecting. Serious deflation over the next four or five years has has got rocks in their head. I think we're looking at a 1930s scenario. Uh, well, it's deflation in the in the uh, in prices. Uh, yeah. Well, that's wrong. When you come and, back, and let's it, talk about that. And it, yeah, that's, and wages and a bunch of other stuff. SP so. futures up two, and as if futures up nineteen. We're leaking a little bit here. We'll be right back. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Greg Pappas on the board. Uh, numbers are imminent here, so we'll get through this pretty quick. S&P futures up, S&P futures up two, and S&P futures up nineteen. We always seem to dash toward the, the flat line before the numbers actually come out. We're out in about two minutes, so we'll be done with this by then. Dow's up forty over in Europe. We've got the uh, these guys are all pretty high. A DAX up one seventeen point eight percent. They were almost one percent. They come down a little bit. Puts it up thirty two point four percent. CAC around up forty eight point seven. So as high, but not as high as they were. Nikkei down eighty. Uh, 0.2%, Hang Seng up 272, trying to get back some of the losses, 1.6%, Shanghai closed still, uh, we have the 10-year, uh, uh, well, wait a minute, well, 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 10-year up 4%, up 4 basis points, 4.75, the Bund up 2, 2.90, Japan unchanged, we've got oil, which is getting, getting cratered, down another 18 cents, 82.13, uh, Brent down 14 cents, 83.93, uh, natural gas though creep 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 another four cents 320 the upside our Bob up two cents 221 we've got gold very small bounce up three bucks but 1834 lows it's been in a long time so we're up 22 cents that's a pretty big move 2124 we've got crypto uh, up 216 27704 and the US dollar is right before the numbers almost flat uh, 1055 in the euro and 122 on the pound Real quick, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Morning, everyone. 729 right now in Chicago. 53 degrees right now. 61 today. Phoenix, 72 right now. Uh, 100 later today. Hot, plenty of sun. Kennedy inbound, 31 minutes from Montrose. Edens from Lake Cook is 50 minutes. Eisenhower, Wolf Inn is 39 minutes. The Ryan, 95th in the interchange is 25 minutes. And Stevenson is 32 minutes from I-294 uh, to the Ryan. Bears win and Commanders 40 to 20. Super Bowl. Three, 346 days uh, since their last win. 14 games since their last win. If you were a real Bear fan, you'd say they're, they're in danger of blowing the number one pick. Uh, they're, they're a lot of angry Washington fans. I know that. They were talking. Fire the coach. Uh, let let the enemy take over while they still have a chance. So. They were not happy losing to the Bears. Anyways, DJ Moore had 230 yards and three TDs. So, all right, we're down 30 in the spoos. Let's see what these numbers are, Carl. What are they, bud? Oh, it's, it's, it, it, you want to talk about garbage? This is garbage. Uh, establishment supposedly 336. If you can believe that. Uh, don't, but it's up. It's uh, there. I don't either, but that's what they posted. 
Um, <laughs> I got the household. I got the household. Well, if you want to know why the yeah, if you want to know why uh, the the spoos are down thirty point thirty handles, uh, that would be the reason. Um, so let's see, uh, job gains occurred in leisure and hospitality, government, healthcare, professional, scientific, technical, social services. Um, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, leisure and hospitality supposedly plus ninety six k, which is that's that's. Uh, almost 50% above the average gain for the last 12 months. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, government employment up 73,000. That's that's a 50% increase over the uh, the 12-month uh, running average. That's crazy. Um, healthcare up 41, which is that's that's kind of meh. I mean, it's uh, last uh, you know. Last 12 months, about 50. The historical average on healthcare is about 30, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I don't see a whole lot else that, that looks all that interesting. Um, average hourly earnings up $0.07, cents, um, which is eh. And they're saying plus 4.2 on the last 12 months, which I do. I, I mean, and this is off, off the headline page, okay? So I haven't actually gotten into the, you know, the whole thing yet. Uh, they're also they also say that July was revised up by seventy nine thousand, August revised up by forty. Now this is this is interesting because they've been, they've been getting revised down every month. Well, that's right, they have. Which um, so that, that that you know that now it's revised up. Now that's a change. That's that's not what's been happening recently, right? I mean, we've had uh, you know neg revisions. Uh, so uh, yeah, so. If you give me about thirty seconds, I'll plug uh, the the uh, table A one data into here, and I'll, I'll tell why you. I, what, why don't I tell everybody what's there. on the A one simpleton one, and you can come back and tell me how it's all wrong. Uh, that sounds reasonable. All right. If you look at the August September here, the amount of people we have, age uh, sixteen and over, is up two hundred fifteen thousand, which is kind of normal every month. Uh, of that, a hundred thousand went into ninety thousand went into the workforce, and a hundred thousand went into uh, we don't know what they do category. So we actually have, according to the household survey, this is adjusted now. We could probably back with the unadjusted. The number here is more like ninety thousand people hired, and a hundred thousand people that are in this. We don't know what they do count. The un- the people unemployed, which are unemployed and looking for work, as opposed to we don't know what they're doing column. Went from 6.3 million, 6.355 to 6.360, so virtually even. Well, that's again, that's seasonally adjusted. Right. So, I mean, it's right. that, that's what this page says. Well, yeah, but I, I use the NSA numbers always. Okay, I, but I'm I saying ignore, it, I ignore the knob twisted ones, which is, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm saying the, the 366 in the establishment survey is 90 in the household survey, both adjusted. C- correct, but and and there is no there is no unadjusted establishment number. Right. So if you wanted to try to do that, you couldn't because the BLS deliberately includes their birth death in there and doesn't give you the raw figures. So it's a black box. You just have to you know trust me. Nobody would ever lie about anything like this. No, 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 never, never. Well, Spoo's not on forty two, uh, so ouch on that. Yeah, Spoo's down forty two. Well, uh, all right. So in the non-adjusted uh, household. We're plus 242, uh, which is interesting. And um, the other thing that's, that's kind of, I mean, when I, if, you, if you look at this from a standpoint of the you know, last uh, 12 months, 
this is this is a series that is uh, is bleeding off a little bit. We're 2.6 over the last 12 months. 2.6 million. 2.66. Um, the other thing that is is at least from my perspective a little interesting is that uh, 546,000 um, went into the I'm um, couch surfing bucket. Uh, on a, half, a, half a, million. adjusted, they got it a million one. Well, unadjusted, it's five hundred fifty. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, they got hundred thousand, hundred thousand. Five hundred fifty thousand unadjusted went into the couch surf uh, category, which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, and uh, the uh, the growth in the working age population over the last twelve months, so run rate continues to be uh, right around where it has been for the last six months or so, which is two point eight million. Uh, it was two seven eight nine last month, so I mean it's you know two seven eight three two seven six four. So it's that's that's not moved much. Um, the the employment population ratio ticked up one tenth, well, one tick, and that's actually that's that is a very important number from a standpoint of taxation stability. In other words, you know the ability of the government to pay for itself. Um, which which is kind of important, you'd think, except that we're... Think, yeah, except we don't care about that. Well, we're running a 30% operating deficit of the right. federal government, for God's sakes. I mean, that's stupid. But that's what we're doing. And um, the the thing that's interesting about that is that that is... Each of those ticks is about 600,000 jobs. Okay. Okay, so that's... I mean, that's not a small number. 600,000 is big... Yeah, that's big figures, right? Um, so yeah, I mean that's uh, that's there. The so there's some other interesting things here in the internals. Um, one of them being that this month everybody pretty much got a little bit of a lift, regardless of educational attainment. You know, that's one of the drums I've beaten for a long time. Right? Is that there, there's been a barbell kind of thing. Uh, the guys in the middle have been getting pounded, and uh, and and this this month not so much. This is this quite even. Um, the the high school graduates actually did better than everybody else, but but everyone did get a little bit of a lift. So that's you know that's a positive. Uh, can't you know can't argue with that. Um, and I want to I want to dig into a couple of other things here with regards to the uh, there's there's a there's a table in here that I always like looking at, which is the um, the average hourly wages and worker and and hours. Uh, based upon uh, the the type of job, okay, and and the reason I think that's that's such an interesting and important factor in things is because the lower levels, it's actually kind of from the top down when you look at it. You know, goods producing, for example, mining and logging is is, you know, it's tough work, but it pays pretty good, right? Um, construction's another one, and then manufacturing, uh, durable, non-durable goods. Uh, and and there's uh, the the average weekly payrolls and aggregates, um, you know, don't don't look so bad. And so now, what I gotta find here, uh, find a correct table. Uh, here we are, hourly earnings and and uh, supervisory and you know these are non-supervisory employees. Okay, the production employees, the people that actually these are the grunts, the people that do something useful. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So in leisure and hospitality, uh, their their wages advanced by a whole two cents an hour. Well, so you know, yeah. Um, where's the boom? 
right? Well, the 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 boom was uh, was kaboom. Uh, other services, uh, their their wages advanced by whole four cents an hour. Now these these are but now leisure and hospitality is is the bottom entry in this table. All right, the, they're they're not so good. However, it looks like we got um, some hour pickup because their average check went from four fifty four seventy seven to four fifty nine oh three. So there's some hour pickup there, uh, which you know okay, but not enough to pressure wages up, which is interesting. Um, in the other in the other areas, uh, I do well. This is interesting, and in, in IT, uh, is up a penny in hourly earnings. So no wage pressure there. No wage pressure in utilities at all. Again, up one penny. That's that's not good for much. Transportation warehousing down two cents. All right, explain to me. Explain to me something. The two the two uh, things they have up here on my page and. There's a guy who sounds just like you caused me this uh, problem, and I, I've asked all kinds of people, and nobody seems to give me any kind of an answer, so maybe since you brought it up, how is it that we have three more, three million more people more employed than last year? In, uh, actually, yeah, three million more people more employed last year at this time that the government receipts for income taxes way lower than last year. Well, because some of them, because someone's lying. <laughs> well, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, well, uh, it, yeah, numbers all sum to a hundred, right? I mean, if they're a hundred percent or whatever, uh, yeah, someone's lying. Uh, my brother wanted, tax- wanted me to ask you: Do you think that so many people are piling into this like employee retention credit you can still get from COVID? Do you think that's causing a drag on the money coming in from these? Because uh, it's an offset against your the money you sent in, like from PTI, we would pay people. Send part of that to the government. If we where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? See, the uh... yeah, you know, um, I don't know. There's a, the distortions that got put into the system from those programs. You'd think they'd all be gone by now, right? There's still there's the PPP is long gone, but this well, e- uh, ERC you hear people advertising that all day long. Oh, I know, and and there's and I get spammed with, uh, you know, with with. Folks, you know, alleged consultants. Oh, well, you know, if you didn't get this, you you need to take it before it goes away. I, 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 I. Well, they're right about that. But uh, well, I yeah, yeah, I get that, right? But I don't know. Can't be that much. I, 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 I yeah, I can't believe that it accounts for the kind of of drawdown that we've seen in the tax receipts figures, and and that's that's one of the things that really does bother me about a lot of these economic numbers is that it's. It was. It was. It goes back to when I was selling my company. Uh, you know, we gave them pro forma. You know, our 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 actual balance sheets and our actual cash flow statements. Of course, cash flow statement comes off your check register, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, from the bank. And then one of the guys at the at the team that was doing the diligence on the other side, uh, you know, calls me up the day after we send him the the information. He, he, asking questions that lead me to believe he doesn't think I'm telling him the truth. And I said, when was the last time you ever had someone that, that BS'd you about the amount of money that was in the checking account and actually had the audacity to pull something like that? I said, you have access to this. You have an NDA. Call the bank. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay? I said, nobody ever lets you get away with that sort of stuff. What do you, what do you think? I'm bribing the, you know, the, the president of the bank? to? <laughs> well, no matter, well, I can see there are all kinds of... Is, is people have... Uh, their, their money has been inflated, okay? And you're getting people that are being bumped from the 40,000 range into the 50,000 range just because of inflation, because they're getting... They're going on strike. They're getting their, their, you know raises and so forth that they fully deserve to stay even. So I mean, I, I don't want to go there. You're you're bumping people up in tax brackets. If anything, these tax receipts should be going up pretty right. Pretty because, yeah, because bracket creep is real. Yeah, I don't see how right. I don't see how not only is the, is the number higher, but your percentage is higher. So so it should be going up. The, the biggest you know you know I'll say this on national TV or wherever I'd be in Mount Olympus. Uh, the biggest single beneficiary of inflation is the government. Oh, absolutely, and 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 yeah, they they love every minute of it because uh, the the brackets are never indexed in real time to inflation. And plus, you get to pay people with money worth way less than when you borrowed it from them. Well, well, that's right. So I mean, you know, it's but the but the problem. I mean, I so I I have to throw a lot of shade at what I'm actually seeing in this data because from this against tax receipts I uh, I can't reconcile those two figures and have them no, they don't work they, they don't they don't work at all I don't it don't work okay and, and at some point I mean if if you look at something you know it's like it's like I said when they, when these guys were looking at my books they're like well you know we, we don't believe this I said we'll call the bank I said they're like well nobody puts up a 42% pre-tax operating margin I said well I am and and they said we don't believe this. We'll call the bank. Okay. Well, you're either lying or you're not. That's easy to figure out. But when you see something like this, here I've got an employment report that says over the last you know six seven months there is absolutely no way the government tax receipts, personal income tax receipts are down, but they are. They are. Yeah, they are. It's a- they are. So, but this data says that's impossible. It's exactly okay. right. It's impossible, and yet it it's is. Im- yeah, I mean, it's it's just flat out impossible. I mean, I look at this. Uh, you know, well, let's let's just go from the start of the year. Okay, January one five eight six nine two is the is the employed figure one hundred fifty eight million six hundred ninety two thousand. Now the adjusted and is not- at one sixty. We got to go back to October because that's when the fiscal year starts. Well, uh, yeah, okay, all right, one five nine one four four. Yep. Okay, now I'm at one six one six six nine. So there's too many more people, allegedly all who've gotten a raise, and the money's less. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that, can't, that can't be right. Yeah, hey, I got a... Uh, uh, this is... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say you're... If you were in the IRS, you'd be sneaky, but... I also want to touch base on what you sent yesterday, uh, the thing out about the the, uh, the death thing, but it, I uh, was reading, you know, it is... You know, we went to dinner last night, and of course, we all, the, the group we go with, wherever we go to the bar, we always pay cash, right? So, uh, if somebody's short dough, I'm not involved in this little group. They they Zell or Benvo or the hell they do to the other guy forty bucks, and then the guy right, right. gets an eighty. So, uh, I was reading yesterday a little, a little aside that all the people who are making all this money scalping the Taylor Swift tickets, the IRS is going after. And uh, well, that doesn't that wouldn't surprise me. But I'm, I'm what I'm now, and everybody you talk to that's younger, if you say. Be careful! Don't let them take cash out of the system. They look at you like you're a two-headed luddite. And uh, what do you mean? What do I need cash for? I'll never need cash. How exactly is it happening <clears throat> that? Uh, I guess my question is: How's the how's the IRS 
pulling this off. I know. I know if you if you drop into a this is what you know young people. It's not like I'm. I'm I wish I was young, so it's not like I'm, I'm ragging on young people. But if if I go into a bank with three grand and drop it on them, or ask for three grand out of my account, somebody has to uh, fill out something, right? No, it's it's probably going nowhere. I mean, it's no big deal. Well, uh, yeah. It, once once you hit that that SAR report thing, yeah. They, they, which, by they the did. way, a lady in my hood. Uh, this is how things are in the hood. When when poor Scruff was still alive, her little dog Puck and Scruff got along great. So I know I know Puck's name and she knows Scruff's name. Neither one of us know our names. <laughs> that's 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 the deal. Walking in Lincoln Park, you know everybody's dog's name, but you don't know everybody's name. But anyway, she's a terrific lady. She's a big uh, uh, kayaker, and uh, you would never know by looking at her. In Chicago River, she said finally, said, "We've stopped being in the river because after a flood, we're like kayaking and kicking up bad stuff." Well, yeah. But uh, anyway, she she puts systems in for banks, and I said, "What kind of system?" She goes, "Cash, how to track cash." And I said, "You mean like the stuff for like over eleven grand?" She goes, "Don't think for a second it's over eleven grand. Everything you do, they're tracking." Oh yeah. So anyway, my my point being is, if if you're you have to be like a, a Greg, close your ears. You have to be a really, really dumbo young person to think if they're tracking your eleven hundred hours in cash, that if you drop in a, a ten thousand dollar Zell from some other person, that that's not being flagged. If somebody just bought ten thousand dollars worth of Taylor Swift tickets from you and Zelled you the dough, I mean you got to be an absolute moron to not think that that's turning up. So, oh yeah. So so what are they doing? Are they are they are they then looking at the person's credit card to see if if they are, are they comparing the list of people who actually got the tickets to the p- people who have big bumps in their Zelle? How, how, how are they tracking these people down, do you think? Well, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's there's a threshold because, again, it's it's a question of invested Well, uh, they're you know, doing for 2500 Can I chime in here? 2500 a ticket. It's ten grand of it. It's four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Greg. So if, you're, if your average transactions on Zelle or Venmo or whatever are a certain number... If you try to go through that or something, they'll they'll put a speed limiter on you and say, "What are you doing?" Or, yeah, they'll flag it. Yeah, or they'll say your average transaction number isn't that high. Uh, bring it up or something like that. So if you've done a whole bunch of if you pay your rent or if you do whatever on Zelle every month and it comes out to like, call it an average of, or you have a few transactions you know that are five grand or something, then if you try to do ten, they're going to say, "What what are you doing?" Who's they? The bank. Before you even, before I mean, they're looking at. Okay. They won't let you do it if if your average transactions. So how does it get to there from the IRS to to uh? Well, if the banks are tickets. if the banks are keeping those, then you know they they can all they need to be is asked. And there must be some sort of a comparison between the people who buy if the tickets on like their credit floor, card. Yeah, if you give a floor, say I want you to find like uh, anything, any all the transactions over five grand, then. Then they can probably produce those fairly quickly. So you know, it, way back in the day, you w- you waited in the line, you bought the tickets cash, and you scalped them cash. Right. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, everything. Well, I mean, it's and you know, there's there's all kinds of weird stuff that goes on though. I mean, it's like uh, one of the things that I that I discovered while I was uh, doing my trip out west is that uh, Discover is quite poor at matching pre-auths with transactions. They do, 
but it takes a day or two. Okay. Now, during the last uh, during the last couple of years, uh, you know, as gas prices went crazy, especially last year and, and the year before, um, places like Loves, the the travel centers, went usually when you put your card to pump, they oh, hit that it for a dollar. To me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, they hit it for a dollar. Right. right. Well, okay. And then Love started hitting you, pull a $175 yeah. pre-off. Okay. <laughs> now, the problem with that is that Discover Sends you ha- a text seems message. to have this yeah. issue where it doesn't actually match against the batch for like 24 hours to 48 hours. All you know, right. You know, where else well, that, you know where else that doesn't work? Um, if you're ever in a position where you, uh, you know, buy a, buy a bed from someplace. For, I forget what the hell I bought. Buy a bed from someplace, and you'll get a uh, uh, 500-hour Visa card. Right. Well, if you go to a gas station and put oh the yeah, they hit it. They yeah, they hit it for the max, and you got to wait like two days before it comes back to the card or something. Well, now here's the interesting thing. So what happened to me was, you know, of course, I'm towing a trailer, so I'm getting 10 miles a gallon doing this, right? So I'm, you know, every every 200 250 miles, I'm <laughs> I'm pulled into another one of these places, fill a truck back up. Yeah. All right. Well. I have lots of line on that card, so there's no problem with me running up against the pre-auth limit. However, Discover started denying the pre-auths, and the pump would come back, and, and it says group limit exceeded, which is a really weird message. Yep. Hi. But I'm nowhere near my credit line on the card. They're just they're bouncing it because there's so many pre-auths without matching transactions that have yet cleared through well so i pull out my amex card and i swipe that instead they pull the same you know 175 dollars pre-auth within 30 seconds after i hang the pump up it matches against the actual sale amount and clears the pre-authorization so american express has this dialed in and some of these other guys don't american express in a lot of ways is uh by far the, the the best card to have. I mean, again, I'm not doing a commercial for American Express, but if you ever have a problem with your with with a charge on there, oh, I know, oh, I know. But well, I mean, Discover's yeah. always been very good to me in that regard too. Okay, but I used to, when I ran MCS, I had a platinum because if I ever had trouble when I was traveling, boy, oh boy, were they on it. Well, they they if you say this is a bad charge, they take the charge off, and the merchant has to fight it back on. Where the That's, other guys, yeah. your Visa and Mastercard. They they they'll take your advisement and they'll try and contact the other person. You might end up with a fight and it can't it won't get off. It's it's there, there's quite a bit of difference in the way they do it. Oh yeah, no Amex Amex. I mean you know, but in terms of like being able to match this, I mean I've been used to you know pre off this, uh, but it, but prior to COVID at the gas stations they uh, you know they they'd hit it for a dollar just to make sure that the card was good. Right. Apparently, Love's had some problems with people running up charges that, that didn't clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they because so, I, I think I had a one of my credit cards. I had a, I got a two hundred dollar Visa card, and I went to get gas the second time, and I couldn't get it. I'm like, what's, you I couldn't get it because yeah. they pulled a pre auth on it. It hadn't matched. Hey, yet. so what, what? The thing you sent uh, the other day about the uh, um, the death totals. What? What's the story right. with that? Okay, so this is this is really serious stuff, and it's and uh, there isn't going to be any way to disentangle this, unfortunately. And the CDC is doing this on purpose. For for the last so normally when you die, um, you know it, the death certificate has a 
it has a list of the things the the proximate thing that killed you whatever it was was the last thing that caused you to expire and then there's a bunch of things that were wrong with you that eventually could have killed you which in the old days didn't have you said the one thing in there the one yeah. your heart well i mean i I've, I've got the old i've i've got all my family stuff and there's the you know there's the section a and there's the section b basically it's a, and they're there okay well it takes time for all that stuff to get in the computer and get filtered so what you have in in the cdc's data is the this large bucket of uncategorized reasons why someone has expired guy's dead but we don't have a reason for it at this particular instant in time and then over the next several months that most of those we don't know why he kicked it go away and they end up in one of the other buckets so he died of cancer uh you know he had a heart attack you know whatever all right so over a period of time this this all dissipates out but the but the frequency of the data that comes in immediately is extremely useful because if you see a large spike in the weed in the uncategorized data those are all new deaths they're things that haven't been figured out yet most of them will be and will go somewhere else over time but a spike in that information in that particular column is extremely useful because it tells you that something really terrible has happened we're not sure what it is yet but it's very current information right? it's not something you have to wait a year or two years for you know some schlub to get around you know doing the data entry on or six months or however long it takes it's almost immediate well, the CDC has always published this. It is one of the things that when, in the beginning of 2021, it spiked. It was way out of character. I and a bunch of other people noted it. And and I got nearly banhammered on a bunch this of social is, this media is, sites. Uh, we, we, just to go back on the dates, uh, St. Patrick's Day of March of 2020, March 17th, is the day everything shut down. The COVID got here in allegedly November, December. Got worse and worse and worse, and everything shut down in March. So you're talking about uh, nine months later. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Later. But, well, no, I'm talking about right after you know what started rolling out. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're, when the, right. Actually, the, the vaccines, they are, were they already out in, in early 21? First part 21. First, okay. they, they, yeah, they were, they were authorized under emergency authorization in December. But there, you know, very little distribution because you know it takes time to get stuff out there, and, and there were refrigeration requirements that were unusual and things like this. So, th- anyway, the first part twenty one, there was a large inflection. Now, remember, this was you know, COVID was still raging at this point, right? So that was something that that I and a number of other people flagged and said, "Hey, there's a problem here because this is not the." You know the winter surge from people dying of COVID that happened three months ago. What the what the blankety blank is going on here? Uh, and and then over time they started to filter in. Well, this this is sentinel information that has been available to anybody who cares to look for a very long time. The CDC has now stopped publishing it. Sort of like the money supply numbers. Yeah, exactly like the money supply numbers. And so uh, the you know it. Say what you will about this, but the study data that is now showing up is that there was there was available to anyone who cared to look a signal. Now, the other problem we've got with this, and this is this is really bad news. A couple days ago, 
uh, Nobel Prize in Medicine was awarded to two schlubs who came up with the I saw, change. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They changed the it, and what their technology change was, and it was and this I was unaware of. The reason mRNA had not worked in the past was that it produced a crazy amount of inflammation in the body and it killed the animals it was being tested on That's repeatedly. A That's a problem. Well, yeah, it's a problem. So these guys changed uridin, which is an amino acid coating, to pseudouridin, which is a synthetic one, which is used in all of these things today, and supposedly fixed it. That's what they got the Nobel for. All right? Yeah, well, Barack Obama got a peace prize, too. Well, yeah, he did. Guess what? The data is they didn't fix it. They just stretched out the inflammation problem. And instead of nailing you instantaneously, it nails you over the space of the next 6 to 12 months. And now we have scientific studies that show that essentially everybody that took these things took some amount of cardiac damage. Essentially everybody. Now, how bad? Highly variable. Okay, some people, not such a big deal. Some people, it is a big deal. However... Uh, it is is now, there, the more shots you got, the worse you are? Probably. But, but here's the other yeah. thing that goes with this, Chief. We now know, because this study has now been run and published, that this was detectable during the original three-month trials in the fall of 2020, if they had bothered to look. I bet they didn't ignored it. They didn't look, and here's and you can say, I, well, I, they didn't you can say, well, they didn't know to look, except the award of this Nobel is proof that they knew that this particular kind of problem was something they ought to be looking at. I, I, I think they, they spotted it and said, full speed ahead. Well, I don't know if they did or didn't. I can't prove that. It doesn't matter because it's water under the bridge at this point. Right? However, anybody that thinks that we should allow this kind of thing to go on without a full accounting and a forensic look at exactly what happened, who profited we, from it, we, we who swept it under the rug. We don't do that I, to anybody. I, you know what, Chief? You have to, though. I mean, you're talking I know, about I what? know, I know, I know. I mean, what are we talking about here? 200 million I, Americans? You know, you know, you have no problem. You know, you're not getting an argument out of me. Because I think we have issues of where the money went in the Patriot Act. Well, we have no room for refugees. Oh, right, oh yeah. Well, I mean, we, I, where, where do we start? Well, you know what? We're, I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start where we have to because we're now out of money. We're running a 30% plus operating yep. deficit at the federal level. McCarthy just got ejected as the speaker. Uh, it, it turns out that it appears there was a side deal with Pelosi to protect him from having that happen, and she reneged on it. Um, and, and oh, by the way, is that, is that, that, that side deal her booting her out of the office? Well, part of that side deal appears to have included her being in an office she had no right to occupy. God, you know, I just you can't. I, I, I I've given up trying to be a fiction writer. I couldn't make this stuff up. You know what? If I'd written if I'd written a fiction book three four years ago. And and had any of this stuff in it, nobody would have believed. No, it. we got a, we got a dash, but my book is still it's still in my head. I haven't started writing it. I'm probably up to I don't know how many hundred chapters. I'll give you a couple. My book is a uh, no good deed goes unpunished. No, oh, well, how about all the bad ones? Those yeah. seem to be rewarded. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> SP futures down forty two. Everything's down. On Nasdaq futures down one eighty six. But here's the big number. Uh, the TLT's down a buck. The, we're talking. Kenny might be off a day. We're at four point eight seven now on the ten year. That's going to leave a mark. That's, that's, an that's a three percent move, and I I have warned this is going to continue to rise and blow up until the budget is balanced. Um, where do you think we're going? Eight or ten? 
Boy, I'll tell you what, Santelli said double digits. He might be right. I, yeah, everybody... Yeah, he might be. We'll talk to you next week, bud, next Friday, if not before. If this keeps up, we'll get you before. Uh, back on Monday, Stocks and Jackson. I'm an American. You're a sick... Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. JetBlue Airways. It's not the only way to fly, but it should be. Visit JetBlue.com. Empower HR, your human resources partner. That's EmpowerHR.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. BDL Compliance Consulting. Visit BDLCC.com. DAX Research. Listen to David Andelman on Mondays and Thursdays and go to DACSResearch.net.